0: This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. My dream life has exploded again. And they're very heavenly dreams, very spiritual God dreams. They're, they're, they're deep dreams that. Um, If if we grab what God is communicating to us, uh, we're going to see more than we ever dreamed of. So what I want to say to all of you is there are two invitations going out right now. One, to you individually. Two, to us as a family, corporately. These types of moments, they they don't come around very often I would say possibly this one something like this could take like a decade or more it's a very special thing going on this morning so many were healed in the morning service very easily and It can take you a long time down that road just to see what we're seeing. For me, it's been a consistent pursuit since 2003. So that's 18 years of going after the Lord. But... Bill was sharing a story recently, uh, Well, that was actually the last time we were in Reading, Chris Vallotton had said something to him, I think, or to their church. He used an example of Rocky, which I always love. My dad made me watch Rocky every day, or at least two, or three times a week. Yeah, it's <laughs> the way I was raised. So, you remember, I think it's Rocky Three. Has anyone not seen Rocky here? Okay, you need to go. (laughs) I'm joking. I don't mean go leave, I mean go watch it. (laughs) You need to watch it. So, there's this part where Mick, his trainer, says that he's gonna lose if he fights Clubber Lang, who is Mr. T in the movie, remember that? And he, and his own trainer says, "You're going to lose this fight." And Rocky goes, "Why do you say that?" And he said, "Because you've, you're too civilized now. You lost your edge. You you lost that wildness, that that hunger, that, that intangible that got you to where you are." I'm not talking about striving in the flesh or, you know, one of the, one of the terms I, I really don't love but I understand it when it comes to prayer is pressing in. Because it's not how you enter. You don't enter through pressing. You enter through yielding, through a heart that's worshiping. You don't, you know, rivers, the river of God is not generated by our activity. It's already there and already moving. Rivers are joined. Has anyone experienced one of our 400 lazy rivers in Orlando? They're everywhere. Every hotel. Has anyone been in one? You don't do a whole lot in them. You get into them through trust that this thing's going to take you where it needs to, and you yield, and it carries you. That's what the life of the Holy Spirit is like. But there is this seizing of a moment. And Jesus explained it this way. He said this. Popcorn? Oh no, okay. Only the Lord knows. Jesus said this. The kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it or seize it by force. This is what this means. Jesus, the king of this kingdom, is leading a procession. And he is going somewhere. He's going somewhere. And this, this part is tough for us to swallow. But there's a side of him that is going there with or without us. And so that's why I've been saying for a couple of years now, the only way to have a Jesus movement is to have Jesus. Does that make sense? So it, I've been saying it must go beyond the branding, beyond the clothing, all this stuff. It has to be really real. Does that make sense to you? So there's this side of Jesus who when walking on water... Was going to keep walking had the disciples not stopped him and asked him to come in the boat. This is, this is the side of Jesus that makes us really uncomfortable. And seizing a moment requires this violence in the spirit. Not craziness. It requires divine positioning. What does that look like? It means that if God is moving, you make yourself available. Typically, when God is moving and the wind starts blowing, listen carefully, he begins to look at lives like sails. And he begins to entrust the wind to the people who have the least amount of holes in the sails. If the sail has holes in it, when the wind blows the sailboat just goes in circles and ultimately capsizes and brings shame. And that's why Jesus said regarding the wineskin and the wine, he said, what good is new wine with an old wineskin? You put new wine into an old wineskin, the wineskin bursts And the wine is wasted. So listen very carefully. The wine is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is very, very meticulous as to which wineskins he fills. Positioning yourself looks like getting the holes out of the sail and making sure that the wineskin of your heart, listen up, is still very tender. Tenderness is holy. Listen carefully. Tears are holy. Childlike wonder is so holy. It's so impressive. It's more impressive than trying to pull off the biggest thing. So right now, we're at a bit of a crossroad. I felt it. I felt it now for weeks. It's not that we've lost anything or that God isn't moving. He's doing amazing things. But over the next, I would say, between now and through the end of October, God God is positioning us for a season I want you to receive this as a prophetic word I have never talked to you like this you mark my words we are being positioned for a divine opportunity for the Lord to sweep us off our feet you see the difference in harvest when we just prayed for 10 minutes you see that Do you learn the ways of the Holy Spirit? You know, on Sunday mornings, I do teach a lot. But I don't prepare sermons. I have my scriptures, my notes. But I'm not a master sermon preparer. Because this is what I've learned. I have to prepare my heart more than the sermon, or God can't move you can have wonderfully prepared songs and sermons. If there's a blockage, the anointing will not flow. It's that, you know, when I hear pastors go, I work on my sermon for six days. God bless them, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not taking any shots. But to work on a sermon and not work on, let's say, forgiveness isn't going to get you anywhere. You see, those are the more pivotal matters. And I don't know about you, but you step into leadership <laughs> or do anything. You realize when we started the school, I, 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 I think I may have shared this with some of you. I called Danny. I go, Danny, life's way more challenging now. And he goes, he started laughing. I said, I said and I don't understand it. All we did is start a school. And he's like, what, what do you mean you don't understand that? He's like, it's simple math. How many students do you have? And I said, we got a few hundred. He goes, well, now you have a few hundred more times the opportunity to have an issue every day. And that's why you have more. That's why life's more challenging. I go, that makes perfect sense. Have 300 more times the opportunity to put out a fire. This stuff, it can get on you. A lot of stuff can get on you. People's opinions can get on you. But what I, what I want to tell you right now is this. If you hold on to a fence in this hour, you will miss the kingdom train. You will miss it. Because this locomotive is smoking and moving and it's moving fast. It's a fast-moving train. America is changing by the week, Young people, the world is lying to you to get rich themselves. Everything Jesus said is happening. Everything. It's just happening at rapid speed. Well, the good news is that the earth will be covered in the knowledge of Jesus, his glory, and the gospel will be preached to every nation, and then the end shall come I am believing for such a tangible glory here that it will be felt miles away driving in amen you may say I don't even know what you're talking about Well, I do I have felt it I'm not asking for anything I haven't already felt an experience in my life I'm asking for more than I experienced as a little kid Do you know how wonderful it is to close your eyes at night knowing God will very, he very well may likely talk to you in the night. It's wonderful. Now listen carefully. Let go of the little stuff right now. This this is not the moment to get stuck in offense. Listen, 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 listen. I'm talking to you by the Spirit. Jesus said, offenses will come. He actually warned two types of people regarding offense. The ones who cause it and the ones who pick it up. Do you know you have a choice to not be offended? Do you know being offended is a choice? Jesus actually said, offenses will come. They're going to come your way. But if you're so sensitive, it just means you're too alive. Dead people don't get offended very easily. The word offense in the Greek is skandalon. That's where we get the word scandal. The word actually means a pit that is dug in the ground and then hidden. Psalm 91 promises us that we would be rescued from the snare of the fowler, or the offense of the fowler. So what the devil does is is he digs these holes in your life and then covers them. He camouflages them, hoping that you'll fall into them. Once you fall into his snare, you're caught up in imprisonment and binding. The anointing can't flow. Make yourself ready. Make yourself ready. You're about to be surrounded and ministered to, listen carefully, by some of God's dearest friends who who are gracing the planet. That's not why you come here. You come for Jesus. But I'm here to tell you There is a measure of anointing that's about to be released over the next two months that you must ready yourself for. Let the Lord remove the debris. Forgive whoever you have to forgive. Do not choose their punishment over your breakthrough. you can choose to punish them by the way you really can't but you can choose to be the Punisher and you will relinquish your breakthrough you decide you decide you decide tonight who and what will or will not keep you from the more of God you know today driving to church this morning I look back at my kids I said, I want to sit down with you guys. And I said, which one of you can type fast? It was so funny. And they're all like, uh. And then Theo Theo Michael goes, Ah, Benny's pretty fast. I go, Well, Benny, do you type like this? Can't like like normal people, you know, you don't like not like normal people, but you know, you look at the screen and you know, we all took typing class. He goes, Not really. He's like, I'm more like this. And I said, Okay. But he was the fastest. He was the best we had to work with. I said I want to take you into my prayer room and I want to take a moment and tell you about all the encounters God has given me. The stuff I can't say publicly and then I I made him promise don't you dare go tell the world about it (laughs) when I go to heaven when I go to heaven he can go go ahead and do it. But, But these things are for the Lord but I want them to live on. When I went back this morning as I was driving and began to think, and I I shared one of them with them, they thought, what? That was one of of a Rolodex of genuine encounters with the Lord and His ways. It has been wonderful, but I'm hungry for more. I want more. Somebody asked Bill a question. When I was there at the Civic I think I may have shared this with you guys but if not it's for some of you I was there at the Civic and which is in Reading that seats about 1800 people and it was filled with BSSM students and one of the students which many of you many of our students are the same way because you glory what you're glorying what you're glorying in now when you start to walk out the call of God will most likely shift, and it should, it should. Some of you are glorying in crowds and events and all that. God's not mad at you, but one day you'll only glory in him, one day. One day your need to be recognized will be gone. One day you won't need to have your face on flyers, you will have been there and done that. One day you won't need to show crowd shots at every get together. One day you won't need to tell people what you do for the Lord five minutes into every conversation. If they ask you who you are, you'll be comfortable by just saying your name. Because you're fully received by the Lord himself. That'll happen one day. That'll happen one day. So they asked Bill a question. This young man, he goes, looking at the crowd, he goes, Did you ever dream that your school would be this big? And Bill, uh, I loved his answer. Bill said, ah, I never dreamed about size. I dreamt about realms in the heart of God. That's beautiful. So this is what I'm here to tell you, not to keep you all night. But I'm telling you like I know my name. The dam is about to explode. You say it already has exploded. I know some of you watching online, you're like, it's exploded. Oh, my gosh. Jesse said it. I mean, you know, you go places. I got my car valet the other day. And this guy goes, name? I go, K-O. He goes, Koulianos? I go, yeah. He goes, I know that name. I go, oh, great. I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just want to like, I don't know, go be, go have fun. That doesn't mean you've made it. Just because a lot of people are watching YouTube doesn't mean we've done anything. I'm grateful for what the Lord is doing, but that doesn't mean anyone has arrived. Is there really any arriving at all? Isn't it all about Jesus? So you mark my words. We right now are at the precipice of a divine opportunity that may never come our way again, that we may never see again in our lifetimes. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do, something beyond what you're doing now. I don't know what that looks like. It might be a fast. It might be extra time with the Lord. I would encourage both of those things. But for some of you, and I know I'm talking to a few of you here, for some of you it may require an uncomfortable conversation and to make amends with someone who hurt you. And when they say they're sorry, it may mean that you actually forgive them. Do you know how wonderful it is to come into God's presence holding nobody's faults against them? Do you know how many people I've met in the church who can't move on with Jesus because of a dumb decision that a pastor made? My response to them is, but what did Jesus ever do to you? Well, my pastor did this. You're not, you're not hearing me. What did Jesus ever do wrong to you? Well, my pastor cheated on his wife. but Jesus doesn't cheat on you. my husband left me Jesus will never leave you so, so, so this is what I've, I've felt all day long and it's increased listen 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 I said it last week it is not a matter of whether or not the fire of God is here you would have to be completely dead in the spirit to not sense God's presence here every every time we gather that's not the point it is not about whether or not the Lord is here in his fire it is about how flammable we are. Before I pray for you, let me just share this story. I grew up spending hours and hours and hours a day pursuing a dream. In my life, it happened to be golf. I played for the college of my dreams. We were ranked number one in America, Division One, University of Florida. Any kid who grew up in Florida and played golf wanted to play for the Gators. It was my dream. I won a series of national events. I played professionally. And then I got injured and ended up coaching at the University of Florida. My brother went to Oral Roberts University, and told me that he saw Jess. He hadn't seen her in a while, and that she had morphed beautifully. <laughs> Sometimes time does wonderful things. Not that she was; she was just in a little interesting fashion when she was younger. So I'd seen her at church. She—you guys have heard the story. She would wear Jordans, a Jordan jersey. Long basketball shorts, hair slicked back, massive hoops. If she warmed a Sea SeaWorld, one of the dolphins would have jumped through them. <laughs> she would have gotten hurt. <laughs> she had the little, you know, and I'm Mediterranean. It's a little Mediterranean, little stuffed sideburn thing going. And she's uh, wonderful. Then my brother texted me a picture of, he saw Jess at ORU. And I'm like, who's that? He goes, that's Jess. I go, oh, wow. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I learned the truth between seed and harvest is time. Seed time. Time did well. And harvest. Seed time and harvest. So Jesse and I connected. Her dad came. And I prayed a prayer when I, before I went to her house. I said, Lord, if you've called me to the ministry, when I walk in the door, have Pastor Benny offer me a job. At the time, I was still pursuing golf. I walked in, I go into the kitchen, and the first thing he says is, I have a... And he didn't even get the offer out. I said, I'll take it. And he goes, well, you don't know what it is. I said, if it, is it a position? He goes, yeah. I said, I'll take it. He goes, well, you don't know what the position is. I said, if it's scrubbing toilets, I want it. I felt the wind blowing. You see, just like I'm feeling now. I'm telling you, I feel the same season. I felt the wind blowing and I knew something. It had to be the mercy of God. That if I grabbed it, my life would change forever. If I chose my own will and comfort, it may never come again. So I said, okay. So that started, uh, well, I think we did 36 countries in 10 months. A country a week, uh, two domestic stadiums a month. It's funny, I hear, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I have seen stadiums fill by the presence of the Spirit. Now we train people how to fill stadiums, it's one, whatever, it's wonderful, but I have seen them filled because of the anointing, and it's much better, so much better. Because when you put your head down at night, you know the Lord did the work. Not to say you don't plan and do things with excellence. But I have seen the presence of God draw sinner and saint by the millions for decades. And so I was swept up in that. Well, I did that for seven years and then we moved back here. We always said we will never come back to Orlando. Be careful what you say, you'll never do. So we looked all over Florida, Sarasota, West Palm, Tampa, and we passed through here just to spend a weekend and something would stern our soul. So at the time, I would still practice golf and had gotten my amateur status back so I could play in some amateur events. So one day, I'm on the back of the range, and my dad, my dad, who's a wonderful man of God, a very humble, Jesus-loving man who's been a great example to me, he is on the back watching me hit balls, and something comes out of his mouth that was so not like my dad, because it was my dad who supported me for my whole golf career. So I'm hitting balls right here in Lake Mary at this golf course, and he goes, you love golf, huh? I'm thinking, well, Dad, you, you got me started when I was five. I was 33 at the time. No, 30 at the time. So for 25 years, he'd been walking with me. He goes, you love golf? I said, yeah. He goes, would you quit if God said so? I said, of course. And then he goes, "Then do it. I'm, I'm in a training session and I'm thinking, get behind me. You're supposed to be encouraging me. You're telling me to quit. He goes, then give it to the Lord. So I look back at him. I said, God gave it to me. He goes, well, I, just, I don't know why I said that. I just felt to say it. The moment he said it, I couldn't shake it. I went to bed that night. You talk about turmoil, troubled. I had given my whole life I loved it. I still do. I'm talking about 10-hour days being very normal. And I can't shake the voice of my dad that was really the voice of the Lord. Then do it. For two weeks, I wrestled with the Lord. You know what I discovered? God's not going to negotiate with you. You can't move him. You can't make him a better promise. Back then, you know, uh, Tim Tebow was winning everything at Florida, and he would give his great speeches where he thanked Jesus. So I said, Lord, I'll do what Tim's doing. I'll do what Tim's doing. Come on. You want, let's, let's, let's work something out here. I will, I'll do Philippians 4.13 under my eyes if I have to, on the golf course. Like, I don't want to give this to you. I don't want this is too dear to me. Two weeks, finally, 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 after trying to negotiate the Lord not budging, I couldn't pray, I couldn't get through into his presence. That's where I learned that my surrender is directly connected to my prayer life. You cannot, you cannot separate the two. And so there in our closet, in the house we were renting, in Jesse's closet, which was like a landmine of shoes, I literally remember that day getting on my knees and a heel, one of the high heels going in. How long shall I suffer, Lord? Going through the suffering, you know. Moved them out of the way, got on my knees, and I looked up to heaven. And this is what I said. This is what I said. Lord, you can have it. Now, no one else heard it, but it was real to me and real to Jesus. With tears running down my face. I'll never forget what the Lord said. Why did you wait so long? Once I finally said yes, true joy filled my soul. Now I had been preaching at the time, but not too many people were getting healed. People were getting saved, but not too many people getting healed. Now, I want to make very clear, you cannot buy or accomplish healing, but you can surrender into it. You can surrender in to, 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 to a life of miracles. I said yes to the Lord. I came out feeling so free. I was actually confused as to why I tried to negotiate so long. Because the feeling of surrender was so much better than trying to convince the Lord the whole time. I left that prayer closet so free and I flew to Montreal and it was in Montreal that a tumor in a man's brain left for the first time in our ministry why am I sharing this with you is the wind began to blow and I believe God many of you are holding on to things that God gave you for sure God gave them to you I believe they did many many maybe some he did not But many of you, God did give it to you. Now typically we think that because he gave it to me, I have to hold on to it. No, no, that's just all the more reason to give it back to him. God said something to Abraham, and with this I'll close. God said something to Abraham. Genesis chapter 15. I, Abraham, am your exceeding and great reward. Me. The moment he said that to Abraham, he would hold Abraham to the promise, which looked like this, Abraham, here is your miracle son named Isaac. I gave him to you, but because I am your exceeding and great reward, I am asking for Isaac. Give him to me now. This is what I want to say to many of you. That wind of fire is already blowing. It is not a matter of God's presence. The Lord is here. It's a matter of who will say yes, who will leave all, who will truly yield, truly surrender, truly allow the Lord to patch their sails, remove the holes, remove the offense, remove the sin, come to Jesus in yieldedness. And he'll use your life for his glory. Amen. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever.